When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't want to take anything away from the Los Angeles Rams, regardless of what happened. The Rams are the Super Bowl champions, and you can't take that away from them. Congratulations to Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, and to the GOAT, Aaron Donald, five guys who deserve to lift the Lombardi Trophy. That being said, guys, it wouldn't be the 2021 NFL season if the final game of the year didn't finish without controversy. Because after keeping the flags in their pockets for the entire game on a crucial third down and goal, the referees called a weak, weak, weak defensive holding call on the Cincinnati Bengals and uh, resetting the downs and eventually ending the game in a game-winning touchdown catch from Super Bowl MVP. Cooper Cup. Now, it's not enough for me to say that the Bengals were robbed. It was enough for me to know that fans will place an asterisk on the game and it's unfair to the players and coaches that won this game. And it's because the NFL officials have put them in that position. And listen, coaching turnover is nothing new for the New England Patriots. When you're a team that breeds success, other organizations are going to try to latch on to that, bring in better fortunes to their franchises. However, this season's a little bit different for New England, and it leaves Bill Belichick in quite a difficult challenge ahead of him. Josh McDaniels was known as the head coach of the offense, and He left to be the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, and it left New England needing to rely on the remaining staff to keep McDaniel's system intact. It was expected that wide receiver coach Mike Lombardi was going to play an elevated role in the Patriots offense, so losing him to the Raiders is a big blow. This may also put pressure on Belichick to secure external help from somebody with a respected coaching pedigree like a Bill O'Brien or, yeah, maybe even an Adam Gase. This is a less than ideal situation for the Patriots and one that will have to be addressed as soon as possible. And guys, the New England Patriots struggled to play from behind this season. Some of it was a lack of true offensive weapons. However, the defense had to put New England in a position to win. Bill Belichick didn't build a team that was pass happy. He built a strong running team and 
that could move the ball through the air moderately. If the Patriots are going to play football that way, you can't have a team fall behind. If you want to control the clock and run the football, your defense has to put you in a position to do so. Now, I'm not saying that Mac Jones isn't going to improve. I'm not saying that he's can't win a game for this, you know, the team with his arm. But however, if Belichick is going to continue going old school, then you're going to have to give Mac Jones a number one defense. What's up, kids? My name is Ray Rout. I'm the host of the Dear Pats Nation podcast on this Super Bowl Sunday, February the 13th, 2022. I'm here to break down the biggest questions around the NFL and figure out how it relates back to those New England Patriots. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams on winning a Super Bowl. Guys, this episode of the Dear Pats Nation podcast is brought to you by our sponsors over at Ultra Game. Get decked out in fully licensed NFL gear. They have all your favorite teams over there, so go check out Ultra Game. One of the largest suppliers of NFL licensed apparel. Don't waste your money on knockoffs. Go get geared up with Ultra Game. And we are members of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. Go on over to DeanBlundell.com. Check out the work I'm doing over there and see what else is happening over at the Dean Blundell Network. Over 100 podcasts and content creators. Go check it out. Dean Blundell. So, did the referees steal the Super Bowl away from the Bengals? I'm going to say no, because I think that there was times throughout the game that maybe the Bengals got some calls, a face mask maybe against Jalen Ramsey on a 75-yard touchdown pass. I never look at one referees call and say that was the reason a team lost the game. But what it did was it highlighted how poor the NFL officials have been this season. It's been all year. Every single week, there's been at least three or four controversies by some sort of non-call or a bad call by NFL officials. The holding call against Cooper Cup that reset the downs on third down, which gave the Rams another opportunity to put the ball into the end zone, it was weak. Everybody knows it was weak. But, again, if you're Cincinnati, you can't put your team in a position where one call can cost you a game. Because at the end of the day, your defense broke down on that final drive by the Rams and you allowed them to even get into a third and goal situation. When you have the lead, that's the time that you need to make those types of stops. You didn't. To me, that's where the problem comes to be. I'm not going to put an asterisk on the Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl. I'm not going to say that they didn't deserve to win the Super Bowl. They had their own controversies that they had to fight through, right? The face mask against Jalen Ramsey that led to a touchdown, had to play most of the game without at least a whole second half without Odell Beckham Jr. Didn't have their tight end who had the second most receptions on the team this year. So, no, I can't turn around and say that the NFL stole the Super Bowl from the Bengals. As a football fan and a fan of the National Football League, I'm not thrilled that NFL rigged is 
trending on Twitter right now. However, the NFL put themselves back in this position. We've talked about it all season. The referees have been bad. And it needs to be fixed. Now, how much did Joe Burrow's knee injury impact the end of the game? Now, he didn't leave it. He continued playing after he got hurt, and his knee, really, his leg bent in a very awkward position on that sack. And I think it had a huge impact. Because to me, it looked like Burrow wasn't able to really set his foot. And that's a problem when you're a quarterback throwing the football. Now listen, what he did this season with Jamar Chase was huge. I think, though, again, what this Super Bowl showed us, and really what the Titans game showed us and what the Chiefs showed us a little bit, it showed us just how important an offensive line is. It showed us that, well, it's one thing to be able to throw the ball down the field time in and time out. It's a whole nother thing to be able to have a clean pocket. And let's face it, I mean, he did really well at the beginning of the game, getting the ball out of his hands really quickly. You saw the Rams make those adjustments, though, and suddenly Aaron Donald, you know, Von Miller, the boys, they started getting to Joe Burrow. Well, getting the ball out of your hands quickly isn't just your arm. It's getting your feet set. It's getting your body set and it's throwing the football. And I noticed a noticeable difference in Joe Burrow after his knee went down. So I think it had a huge impact on the game, especially when you look at that final drive. Now, listen, let's granted the Rams defense had stepped up by that point, but we can't turn around and say that Joe Burrow looked his best after he got hurt. Now, on the flip side, Matthew Stafford was also playing with a sore ankle. So there's that. But yeah, it had a huge impact. There was a lot of things that happened this game. Odell Beckham getting hurt was a big hit. You could see the noticeable difference when he was out of the game for the Rams. But suddenly, Joe Burrow, who was looking really, really good, and if the Bengals would have won, was probably the prime, prime candidate for Super Bowl MVP. He didn't quite look MVP ish after he hurt his knee. Now, has Aaron Donald cemented himself as the greatest defensive player ever? Uh, my answer is yes. Straight up. Simple. Done. Finished. I declared Aaron Donald the GOAT about, I want to say four weeks ago, five weeks ago. I was tired of the conversation. I upset a lot of Lawrence Taylor fans. I upset a lot of older people. I saw the arguments for Deion Sanders. And, and listen, I'm not disrespecting any of those old school guys who came through and, and changed the game. And maybe if you want to make an argument that Aaron Donald's not the GOAT, that's fine. But I think that he's one of those generational players that you have to consider. Chris Collinsworth said it tonight. He's in the category of Deion Sanders, of Lawrence Taylor. He has redefined the interior defensive lineman. He's not a 400-pound beast that just kind of rumbles through. He doesn't look like a Vince Wilfork. Yet he's so dangerous. And how fitting was it that he was the one who basically sealed the game by taking Joe Burrow down on fourth down? That didn't get recorded as a sack as Burrow got a desperation throw away, but it might as well have been recorded a sack. And we've seen him do that over and over again. 
And the fact that at 30 years old, he's now considering retirement. He said that if they won the Super Bowl this year, that he would consider leaving the game. That's that's a loss for the NFL. Now, interior defensive lineman, that's not a sexy position by any means. You're not going to get the same sort of accolade. You're not going to get the same sort of attention that, say, a quarterback would. However, to me, Aaron Donald is the best player in football right now. He's been the best player in football for years. Because of his position, he's never going to get those sort of accolades or recognition. Because the type of players who do get that kind of recognition are normally quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, cornerbacks. But if I was starting a team from scratch right now, as controversial, quote-unquote, as that may sound, I'm taking Aaron Donald every time as my first overall pick. I've fallen in love with him as a player. I'm so happy that he won his Super Bowl ring, especially after he had a pretty poor performance and was neutralized by the Patriots' offensive line in their first Super Bowl. To me, there's not many guys more deserving of a Super Bowl title than Aaron Donald. And to me, he cemented himself as the greatest defensive player of all time, if not one of the best NFL players of all time. Now, despite being injured tonight, did Odell Beckham Jr. vindicate himself with his Super Bowl performance? And I guess we could also add the performances he had prior to the Super Bowl. If I'm anybody in the front office of the Cleveland Browns, if I'm the owner of the Cleveland Browns, if I'm a fan of the Cleveland Browns, I watched Odell Beckham Jr. in that first half before being injured. I watched the impact that he made on that game. I watched what happened after Odell Beckham Jr. went down injured. And at that moment, I realized the mistake I made choosing Baker Mayfield over Odell Beckham. Now, listen. I may be coming from this from a biased perspective because I've been enamored with OBJ since he's been a New York Giant. As a New England Patriots fan, I've wanted him to be on the Patriots since he was a New York Giant. The fact that the Patriots almost had a trade with him in New York, but the Giants backed out, and then he said during Super Bowl week that he was very, very close to signing with New England. I mean, that's heartbreaking for me. And there are no two players on the Rams outside of Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham Jr. that I'm more happy for to win Super Bowl rings. And OBJ and his performances with LA since arriving through the postseason and then the Super Bowl before being injured and now being able to get his Super Bowl ring, he is completely vindicated and showed proof that he was not the problem in Cleveland. And maybe his father, Odell Beckham Sr., was right when he put that compilation video together of Baker Mayfield just not throwing him the football. Browns fans, I'm sorry, but how can you go in to next season feeling comfortable with Baker as your quarterback after what you just saw out of Odell Beckham Jr. throughout his time after he left Cleveland? And if you ignored him, I know you didn't ignore him tonight when you watched the Super Bowl. Now, some people might be saying, well, another injury for OBJ, whatever. 
Little Beckham Jr. is still one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and man, did Cleveland make a mistake. Man, did they make a mistake labeling him the problem. All right, so we spent the first 15 minutes talking about the Super Bowl. This is a Patriot-centric podcast, so I do have some Patriot stuff to talk about. For those of you who were listening, watching, whatever, just to hear about the Super Bowl, I am going to move on to some Patriot stuff now. You're more than welcome to keep listening. But uh, my core fan base, if I don't talk about the Patriots on this podcast, they're probably going to just get upset with me. So uh, I got some Patriot stuff to talk about. But again, let's another big congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. And let's have a big congratulations to Cincinnati Bengals as well. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all the boys, Joe Mixon. Uh, fantastic season. You know, I wrote uh, a piece and I think a lot of my podcast was based on this last night that logic said the Rams were going to win this game. They It really did. Logic said the Rams were going to beat the Bengals. However, you couldn't count the Bengals out because they were a team that it's, they, they acted like they didn't know they weren't supposed to be there. The fact that their kicker was just out watching the halftime show. And what a halftime show, by the way. Best Second best halftime show ever. First one was Prince. Purple Rain in the Rain. Second one was this performance tonight. Absolute blast. You can tell that I'm in my mid-30s. My kids saw a different side of their father. I'll tell you that much. But congratulations to everybody. Great season. Uh, the NFL's in good hands with some of these young quarterbacks, and, and Joe Burrow's going to be one of them. And for Matthew Stafford, congratulations. And uh, congratulations to the city of Detroit, who are claiming this Super Bowl as their own. So I'm happy for you guys, too. Congratulations. But now we're going to get into some Patriots stuff. <clears throat> so how does losing Mike Lombardi and Cameron Brasillo hurt the Patriots? It hurts them a lot, to be honest with you. Now, there are people out there, my producer from my live show, Mike, who is upset because Belichick has been somebody who hasn't been putting offensive coordinator titles on on coaches. They haven't had a defensive coordinator since Matt Patricia left for the Detroit Lions. Brian Flores was the de facto DC in 2018. And now his son and Gerard Mayo have been the, the co-de facto DCs 2019-2020-2021. And he thinks that not putting the OC title on Mike Lombardi is probably one of the reasons they lost him because Lombardi's now the OC down in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders. However, we don't know if that was ever going to be Lombardi's role, so I can't get upset at Belichick for that yet. If we find out that he was going to make him the de facto OC and didn't, whatever, uh, you have to assume that he was going to be elevated a little bit as a part of the offensive staff for the Patriots. However, um, he wasn't, and he was there. But it's going to hurt. With Josh McDaniels leaving, Bill Belichick is a defensive guy. He's not an offensive coach. And bringing Joe Judge back, who was mainly a special team coordinator and on special team coaching for the Patriots, and then he was a wide receiver coach in 2019 before he left for the Giants, he brings a little bit of that offensive leadership to the team. But with losing Josh McDaniels, having Lombardi there was going to be very, very important. So him being gone is big. And, and again, Belichick's in a very difficult position because he's got to try to rebuild this, this offense. 
uh, of coaching staff. That's why I think it's going to be important to bring in an actual OC. If it's not Joe Judge, then you have to go get a Bill O'Brien, an Adam Gase, a Freddie Kitchen, somebody who's had success as a quarterback coach. Um, you can also look at Jerry's um, Spolensky, I think his last name is. I could be wrong. Uh, former quarterback coach of the Patriots was was big into the development of like Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo, especially when Tom Brady was suspended. But yeah, it it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And uh, the Patriots are are building up, right? The Patriots need to to bring some core uh, guys into this offense. Now, can Bill Belichick be blamed for the coaching departures? And I've sort of talked about this. Uh, we don't know what Mike Lombardi was going to do. I mean. Can you blame him for Josh McDaniels finally leaving his post as the offensive coordinator and going and taking another head coaching job? Probably not. I mean, you figure back in, what, 2018, he was supposed to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, doesn't take the job after, well, accepts the job and then reneges on it, stays with the Patriots, wins another Super Bowl, by the way, uh, comes in, has an awful season with <laughs> Mac or with uh, Cam Newton, helps in Mac Jones' rookie development, and I think that at some point he knew that his head coaching window was going to close. So he had to do what he had to do, and he took the head coaching position, which is fine. Good on him. So you can't blame Belichick for that. Now, again, if Mike Lombardi was going to be the de facto offensive coordinator and Belichick wouldn't give him the title and he got it down in Vegas and that's why he followed McDaniels, then, yeah, then you can blame Belichick. But if that was never the plan then no, you can't blame him for guys leaving and taking better opportunities somewhere else, especially if Belichick wasn't planning on giving them those opportunities. The Patriots have just been in a bad spot. They Don't forget, they lost Dante Scarnaccia to retirement. They lost Ernie Adams. I mean, does that open the door for a Matt Patricia, long-term time, you know, right-hand man of Belichick to take on more of a role, maybe offensively or defensively. Where does Joe Judge fit in? We know he's coming into the offense. We don't know how he's coming in. But I can't blame Belichick for these coaching departures. I don't think it has anything to do with – I don't believe it has anything to do with titles, per se. And that brings us to how big of an impact is – the Patriots' longtime running back coach, Ivan Fears, probable retirement. That's huge. Because, again, when you go through the list of names that they've lost on the coaching staff, it's gigantic. If you go back to the Patriots' 2018 Super Bowl, you have Brian Flores, who was the de facto defensive coordinator. You had Josh McDaniels, who was the offensive coordinator coordinator you've had ernie adams in the booth you had dante scarnetia the assistant head coach and offensive line coach on the sideline ivan fears the running back coach a lot of bill belichick loyalists right there chad o'shea the wide receiver coach and running back coach i believe or no wide receiver coach you had jerry Polanski, quarterback coach you had a really, really good core group of coaches. So, yeah, it became a little bit of an issue, or this is becoming a little bit of an issue. And Ivan fears another 
veteran, long-term, right-hand, inner circle of Bill Belichick. Him retiring in this current state of the Patriots coaching staff is a big problem. And if I'm Belichick, I am trying to convince him to give him one more year before he retires. Now, what has to be Belichick's top priority to fix the Patriots coaching staff? Simple and easy. A, you have to convince Ivan Fears not to retire. Stick around one more season. Grind it out for one more year until Belichick can build it up. Number two. Again, without knowing the plan for Joe Judge, without really knowing how good of a coach Joe Judge is, we can only try to look from the public perspective. We're not in the locker room. We're not in the meetings. I think you can have him back helping the special teams. You can help him happen helping the offense, but I think you need to bring in a true offensive coordinator. I have three names. I'd love to see the Patriots attack. Bill O'Brien, Adam Gase, or Freddie Kitchens. Those are the three. All three guys are questionable as head coaches, or I guess Bill O'Brien is questionable as a head coach. I would say that most people would say Adam Gase and Freddie Kitchens should be out as head coaches. Fair enough. But they have had a lot of success as offensive coordinators. They've had a lot of success as quarterback coaches. When that is their only job for development, that is their only focus. Baker Mayfield played his best football under Freddie Kitchens. You're seeing it starting to unravel in Cleveland under Kevin Stefanski. And the biggest thing on the coach staff, let's go over to the defensive side of things. I think that Belichick needs to name a defensive coordinator. And I don't think it's his son, Steve. I think Gerard Mayo needs to be given that title. I think Gerard Mayo needs to be given the opportunity to call defensive plays. And I think that they need to start, or Belichick, I mean, needs to get away from the nepotism on his coaching staff. And needs to start developing some of the coaches from within. And, I, and they were short-staffed last year, too, at coach at coaching. And losing more and more has made it even worse. So I think that that's really something that they need to take into consideration. Now, how can the Patriots defense help Mac Jones take a second-year jump like Joe Burrow did? Now, there's a lot of Patriot fans out there that believe if we want to see the Patriots accomplish what the Cincinnati Bengals did this season, that was basically hold the lead in the Super Bowl till about, what, a minute 30 left in the game? That you have to go get Mac Jones, his Jamar Chase. You have to go get him, his number one guy. He needs that effort. He's open somewhere down the field type of receiver. And in one respect, yeah, I, I I buy that. I believe that. I think that. But that's not going to fix the whole thing. When you look at how the Patriots are set up, if you look at how the Patriots offense works, if you look at how Mac Jones is the quarterback and how the Patriots want to play, they're still going to run the football. Maybe it's a little bit more balanced, but they're still going to run the football. They're still going to want to control the clock. They did the same thing with Tom Brady. They wanted to control the clock. And when you're a team that wants to control the clock and control the pace and control the game, your defense has to put you in a position that you don't fall behind. And when the defense was playing well, when everything was clicking, when everything was working, the Patriots offense looked fantastic. The Patriots were winning. The last four games of the season, 
when the Patriots defense wasn't playing horrible, but they're still letting up touchdowns early. I mean, of course, not including the wild card game where they just got stomped by the Buffalo Bills, but they're giving up early touchdowns. They're doing that kind of stuff. That becomes a problem for New England. Mac Jones and, and the defense or the offense couldn't bring the team back. The Patriots lost every game they played this season where the other team scored 25 points or more. Sometimes you're going to need your quarterback and your offense, not just your quarterback. You're going to need them to score you more points than that. So, yes, getting a number one, improving the weapons on offense, and scoring more points is big, but it's going to come down to the defense. Because if the Patriots want to control the pace of the game, they can't play from behind. Because if you're playing from behind, you're not controlling the pace of the game. Now, is it concerning that Mac Jones struggled when the Patriots fell behind? I'm going to say not at this time. Now, if he was in his second, third, fourth year, then yeah, then I'm I'm a little bit concerned. Because we didn't really see outside of that Houston Texans game, and let's face it, they were playing the Houston Texans. Outside of that game, we didn't really see Mac Jones charge the team from behind, maybe by a touchdown early, but he always kind of got it together in the fourth quarter when they were already down by a couple of scores and you know the teams would drop into zone defenses and he started hitting Hunter Henry up the middle of the field. But you never really saw him being like, okay, we're down by 14, here we go. He didn't have his Josh Allen moment that they had in, in Tampa Bay. Now, I know they ended up losing the game, but what, they're down by 21 points, or it's I think it's 27-3 to three going into the halftime. They come up, they tie up the game. They fall short in overtime, but so be it. I'm not concerned at this moment. I'm not concerned because he was a rookie. Now, you want to ask me this question year two, year three, if we're still dealing with the same thing, then perhaps I'm starting to have a different conversation with you. Perhaps I'm a little bit more concerned. Perhaps I'm a little bit more looking at Jones and saying maybe he's not the guy. I have faith he'll be the guy. I have faith that he's going to turn turn it around. I have faith that this is going to happen. But at the end of the day, I'm not overly concerned at this moment. Now, what's more important? Getting Mac Jones a number one receiver or a top five defense? Let's pretend the Patriots can only do one. I've discussed how I believe the Patriots offense starts with their defense, not playing from behind. However, what we saw the Cincinnati Bengals do this entire season was put themselves in a position to be in the Super Bowl because of having a true number one and having the supporting staff with the T. Higgins and the Tyler Boyds and the Joe Mixons around Joe Burrow. Unfortunately, I never see the Patriots under Bill Belichick actually getting to the point where they're just firing the ball on the field. I don't see the 2007 Patriots offense ever coming back. I guess that would probably be my answer, my example of of how I feel this the direction that the Patriots offense is going to go. I think as long as they want to continue to play this game where they want to control the clock and control the pace of the game, getting a top 5 def- defense would be more important than getting Mac Jones that number 1 receiver. At least in 2022 
Eventually, and the NFL is just going to dictate this, eventually you're going to have to build that offense as well, and you're going to have to have a balanced team. But if we're talking about, hey, we want the Patriots to do the same thing Cincinnati did, which is a long shot, by the way. I'm not going to be a delusional Patriots fan and say, we're going to the Super Bowl next year, even though I really look forward to seeing Mac Jones playing in the Super Bowl next year. Um, <laughs> uh, if the Patriots want to replicate the success that the Bengals did, they wouldn't be, I don't believe that they'll do it the same way the Bengals did it by having a high-octane offense that's going to score on you all the time. They're going to do it by controlling the pace of the game, and that starts with the defense. So what's more important, a number one receiver, a top five defense? I think the way the team is currently structured, it's getting Mac a top five defense so that the offense can control the game. And uh, that's pretty much it, peeps. Thanks a lot for tuning in to the uh, Dear Pats Nation podcast. My name's Ray Rout. I happen to be the host of said podcast. I try to record the podcast every day, 30 minutes or so. But don't forget to uh, check out the Dear Pats Nation live show on our YouTube channel, Ray Rout, Monday through Friday from 7.30 till 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Monday's show is going to be fun. We're going to have Connor Carney and Mario from Hashtag Sports on. We're going to be discussing the Super Bowl. We're going to be discussing the Patriots and maybe a little bit of Buffalo Bills talk. Of course, producer Mike will be there. It'll be fun. But I appreciate you guys all coming here and checking this out and listening to the podcast or watching the podcast on YouTube or however you're... uh, however you're doing it don't forget you can find the dear pats nation podcast everywhere spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, deanblondell.com rayroute.com caster or castro whatever it's called any anywhere that you want to that, that they have podcasts you can find them there uh, make sure you go check out my website rayroute.com you'll see all my latest blogs podcast episodes exclusive videos to the website merch stores updates all that kind of fun stuff check out rayroute.com uh, don't forget uh, to check out our sponsors over at ultra game uh, get decked out in fully licensed nfl gear they have all your favorite teams over there go check out ultra game uh, one of the largest suppliers of licensed nfl apparel don't waste your money on knockoffs. Go get geared up with Ultra Game. I've left that link in the description. Uh, and let me tell you the benefits of becoming a Patreon member. For only $5 a month, you get invited to our Patreon hangout every Friday night. Uh, you also get direct access to me. Your comments and questions will be answered on every episode of the Dear Pats Nation podcast from Monday to Friday. Uh, when you're watching or listening to the live show on Friday nights, uh, and there's like 10 guys on the screen, those are all the Patreon members. So go check out patreon.com slash DPN sports and see what's happening over there. It's five bucks a month. I'm telling you, it's worth checking out. And uh, don't forget, we're members of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network over deanblundell.com. Check out the work that I'm doing over there. Uh, see what's happening over on the network. With uh, There's over like 100 podcasts and content creators. Go check it out, deanblundell.com uh, for the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. And with that all being said, I appreciate you all tuning in here on this Super Bowl Sunday edition of the podcast. 
Ladies and gentlemen of Pats Nation and ladies and gentlemen of NFL fan bases from all over the world, for the last time for eight months during an NFL season, I'm going to say you're all legit, kid. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. <laughs>